Welcome to Tattooed Freaks in Business Suits, recorded live in the kitchen of the Personal Touch Career Services in Denver, Colorado. I am your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring maze to get the job they really love. In addition to working with job seekers one-on-one, I do have a book available. You can find How to Get a Job Without Going Crazy on Amazon. So my guest today is Darla Peterson with Diversified Personnel. She's actually a recruiter. So we're going to give you some insight into behavioral interviewing from both sides of the table, so to speak. Uh, Our main purpose of our show is to explore and redefine the world of work, especially as Gen X, Millennials, and those to come after us seek position of leaderships that still allow them to be themselves. Every show, we will explore a topic related to business or job searching. And, of course, we're going to talk about tattoos. So our sponsor is the Personal Touch Career Services, Denver's top-rated career coaching service and resume writers. Some people actually like us. We focus on the practical tools for your job search, including resumes, LinkedIn profiles, job search coaching, and ongoing classes. Check out our re- ridiculously long website, personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com, or, you know, you could just Google it. Well, good morning, Darla. How are you today? I am wonderful. It's a Friday morning, and it's a pretty nice day outside. Perfect. So, Um, Why don't you just tell me a little bit more about you and your company and what you do? Definitely. Well, as Donna mentioned, I own Diversified Personnel. It is a staffing company located in Arvada, and I have owned that for a little over a year now. After spending over 20 years in corporate America as a corporate recruiter, I decided to go out on my own. And my focus primarily is on small to medium-sized companies who have a need. They don't have someone in-house who can go out and look at resumes and find people and do all the interviewing, I do that for them. And I really partner with them to really understand the culture of their organization and to be able to place the right people there. Great. Great. So I think one of the things that people get confused about is that whole phrase behavioral interviewing and what that actually means. So I actually had a um, person show up at one of my meetups yesterday and He was all like, I asked him, what do you think behavioral interviewing is? And he's all like, oh, I think it's going to dive deep into like my religious beliefs and things like this. (laughs) It's like, um, no, because I can't even legally ask you that. But uh, behavioral interviewing, from my point of view, and as most people know, I did eight years in human resources and recruiting myself, is that your past behavior is going to predict your future performance. That is correct. All right. And so why would companies use this type of interview strategies? That's a good question. And companies have been using this for over 20 years now. Mm. Um, A lot of times in the past, employers and even present, employers will ask, what would you do if? How Mm. would you handle? And that doesn't tell you anything except that the person can answer that question really well. And what they want to do is they, one, they want to be able to see how you've handled situations in the past, because as you said, it usually is a predictor of how you're going to handle them in the future. In addition, with behavioral-based interviewing, all of your interview questions are prepared ahead of time. And from a legal standpoint, you're asking every candidate the exact same questions, and you are able to compare each one of them for each separate question. Right. Because we want to look for fair hiring practices. Yes. Right. So even though it seems like you're getting grilled as a candidate, 
there's a method behind the madness, so to speak. Yes, it's most certainly. Yeah. So one of the things I like to point out with my coaching clients is that there's actually like five different types of questions, right? Yes. So behavioral interviewings are the questions that focus on real world situations, things that you've actually done in the past. Correct. And this is different than like what I would call a direct question, which is just for screening purposes, like asking you, how well do you know Microsoft Word? Right. Correct. And then open-ended, that's more about an opinion or an explanation. Then there's the problem-solving questions. And this is where some people get into trouble because the problem-solving are the ones that I also call the hypothetical situations. So it's not necessarily asking for a real-world situation, but it's the setup. So it's the difference between how would you deal with an irate customer as opposed into a behavioral situation where you would ask, tell me about a time when you dealt with an irate customer. Correct, correct. And it, it, it really opens your eyes on how have they handled these situations in the past? Mm-hmm. Was it in a positive manner or not? And one thing that I try to always bring up to people that I train on how to do behavioral-based interviewing, as well as candidates, is you are going to answer the question on what happened, what you did, and then what was the end result of that. Mm -hmm. But don't put so much emphasis on that result because sometimes you did the right thing, the actions you took was correct, but the outcome may not have been. So I tell interviewers, focus on what they actually did and was that appropriate. And you know what? I often train job seekers to to remember to put their result in there. Yes. Because when I'm coaching them through the process, um, there's a couple of big problems I usually see. So number one is they'll get that behavioral question and then they'll answer it like a hypothetical situation. And uh, I know as interviewers, because I used to do that in the past, it feels like they're not paying attention. Correct. Yeah, because Correct. they're they're not pausing. They're not taking the time to think of a real world situation. They're just talking because they don't want the uncomfortableness of the pause. And then they feel like they've been talking for so long that they'll actually just shut up and then they never even give a bad result. It's right. just it's it's just kind of hanging out there and as interviewer I've seen like um are they done? <laughs> they're just not talking anymore. Right. And it's and it is it is a more difficult way of interviewing. It is. And you have to stop as a person who's being interviewed, you have to stop. You have to think about what is it that they're looking for? Mm-hmm. And when you go into the interview knowing they're going to want me to give a specific one-time situation of something that happened, Mm-hmm. Not all the time, mm-hmm. not that happens a lot, but a specific one-time situation and what I specifically did mm-hmm. and then what was the result, think that through. Right. And we call that the STAR method. Yep, that's exactly what I teach to candidates too. Exactly. A one-time situation or task, the action you took and the result. And as a company or an interviewer, I recommend that people divide their paper into three sections, the situation task, the oh. action, and the result. So when you're taking your notes, you are writing down what they're saying. And when they're done talking, like what you just said, if they get done talking, you go, did they tell me everything? You Mm -hmm. can look at your notes and say, well, they didn't give me the result because I have nothing in the R, the result column. Well, that is brilliant. And I will tell you, I back in the day had to do ride-alongs for our managers when we were interviewing people because some of them just sucked so (laughs) bad at interviewing (laughs) that they needed the, the... hand-holding treatment. But that's a brilliant idea. And I think that really proves the point for candidates of 
that whole process of formulating the answer is worth the time to pause before you start speaking. It, it, exactly, exactly. And one thing too, and I always try to tell people when I teach these classes, is that from a candidate standpoint, make sure you focus on your action. Yeah. Not we as a team, but your action. Because you're, the employer is looking for a specific one-time situation and what you did. It's great that you work in a team, but they want to know what you did because that's probably how you're going to act in the future. Exactly. Yeah. So as a recruiter, what are some of the other things that you're training the employers to look for? Or does it depend on the position? It depends on the position. And what when you go in and you start looking at using behavioral-based interviewing, there are many what we call competencies or dimensions. Mm -hmm. And you determine what are the top five dimensions or competencies that are important for this job. Mm -hmm. Like for a manufacturing position, for a production person, maybe safety is very important, but that may not be for a vice president of the organization. Right. So you break down your competencies and then you look for how did they act in those types of environments or those types of uh, situations. Mm -hmm. And you have your set questions, you prepare your questions ahead of time. And you, as an employer, what you're looking for is, was their behavior appropriate? Mm -hmm. Was their action appropriate in what they did for that situation? Yeah. And consistently. Yeah. So one of the things that I often suggest to job seekers as a way to uh, prepare for the interview itself is the big challenge can often be thinking of different situations. Yes. So I suggest you get the job description and then within the requirements or the duties of that job description, each one of those bullet points write out a story that would relate to each one of those bullet points. That is excellent advice, most definitely. Yeah. And one thing too is when you're doing that, also think of your successes mm -hmm. and the successes you've had in each one of those categories because they may focus on that too. Right, right. So do you also train them in doing like personality behavioral situations, like tell me about a time you had to do deal with a conflict at work. Yes, very often those questions are included because you want to know. Mm -hmm. um, not everyone gets along with everybody. And how did you handle that? And sometimes it's difficult for people to think of those one-time situations. Mm -hmm. um, from an employer standpoint, what I tell them is if they're unable to answer that question, stop and go to another question. Mm -hmm. and then come back to that question later on, and maybe they will have thought of a situation. But yes, you definitely want to ask those questions, and how do you get along with people? Mm -hmm. And give me an example of a time where you did not get along with your manager or a coworker, and what did you do, and how did you handle that, and what was the outcome? Yeah, I think this is really important for job seekers to understand, too, because you know, we all know that you should never talk negatively about anybody in your past, but... One of the big differences with these behavioral interviews and the way interviewing has especially changed in the last five to 10 years is this thing about the honesty. Yes. And being able to talk about uncomfortable situations. And so and, and like another nasty, nasty behavioral question, the, tell me about a time that you failed. Yes. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> and who wants to talk about that? Yeah. You want to talk about your successes. Mm -hmm. But you, it's, it's kind of what did you do and how did you learn from that? And when I've done lots of interviews, you focus on a person will say, well, I did this. And I know that wasn't the right thing to do. But since that time, I've learned from that. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing, too, that if you are having to give as a person being interviewed, if you are having to give a negative answer and what you did and how you failed is to come back and say, but this is what I learned from it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's the other thing too, because it's like sometimes I think when I compare like old style interviewing is like the swarmy back and forth <laughs> from the seventies and eighties, and you know you would have uh, tell me a, about a weakness. And it's like, oh, I'm a perfectionist, but that means my work will always be performed. <laughs> yeah, and it's just canned stock, dumb yes. answers for canned stock, dumb questions. It is. It is. And that's why I think behavioral based interviewing is so great, is because you really get to look inside the person. You get a picture of what this person has done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are some interview nightmares that you've seen <laughs> as a recruiter? We got to hear the dirt. <laughs> All right. So, and it doesn't necessarily go back to behavioral based interviewing, but, uh, and I've had this happen multiple times, is wearing inappropriate attire. Really? Oh, my what? goodness. Revealing. I will say revealing and not just necessarily inappropriate, but revealing attire. Mm. No, definitely not. It's not going to get you the job. Um, I also had years ago, I was helping uh, staff a manufacturing plant. And I had the guy hit on me during the interview. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I feel I should make a book of all these questions or the different things that have happened over the years. Right. Well, I'll I'll give you a weird story from uh, back in my radio days before I was like producing the morning show. I was uh, actually in the business office. So I helped with some of the recruiting functions. That's how I started to learn this stuff was in broadcasting. And uh, we had a position open and... This was back in the mid-90s, okay? So you got to, we did weird things in the mid-90s. And uh, we had this one gal show up in a very form-fitting skirt, very short. <laughs> and then she also had sweater bumpers. Do you know what those are? No, no not shoulder no. pads. Not shoulder pads. That would have been better. <laughs> so in the 90s, women did, well, I don't know, if they, very immature women would do, it's like not piercings, but they're little metal round things that goes right at the tip of your nipples. Oh my so, gosh. So it looks like, you know, they're all bing. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how this gal showed up for oh, the interview. Cream colored, form fitting, tight skirt, high heels, like like stripper level high heels and sweater bumpers. And I'm like... Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. First impressions last. Yeah. You know, and one thing, a recommendation I would make is you never know who you're interviewing with. Oh, yeah. And here's the other thing, too. She probably made that mistake because it was a hard rock station that she was interviewing with. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's what the listeners look like. But... The clients you serve at a company is not the same as the people you work with. Right. Right. You are right. And I had a gentleman I was interviewing one time, and at the end of the interview, I said, well, what questions do you have for me? Mm-hmm. And his response was, when do I get to talk to somebody important? <gasps> oh. Yes. And I said, well, I'm the one that makes the decision on if you move forward or not. And he said, I know, but when do I get to talk to somebody important? Oh, he said it twice. Yes. <laughs> oh. Ouch. Yes, yes. He was not brought in for a second interview. What? I can't imagine. But he was so confident. <laughs> he was. He was. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll do you one more nightmare just because this one also falls in the line of inappropriate clothing. So I was with a sales organization and they did a lot of hiring all the time. So this gentleman showed up in like parachute pants. No, this is like 2007. So it's the... 
not quite, um, it was like sheer sweatpant looking thing, bright yellow, <laughs> like bright banana yellow, a dirty t-shirt. And we were doing a panel interview, so there was multiple people interviewing him. And, oh yeah, he only had a few teeth in his head. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not that old, but uh, had a few missing teeth. And then right after 15 minutes of the interview, he's like, uh, how much longer is this going to take? Because uh, my wife is just driving around the block with the kids in the car waiting for me to finish. And we're like, you know what? We're done. That's okay. <laughs> Many stories. Many stories. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if, if you end up doing something weird in an interview, just realize you will be told over happy hour by recruiters forever. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back into the whole behavioral interview mm -hmm. questions, what is something that you've seen as a recruiter that you think job seekers need to do better? I think you really need to think through your answers and not try to just impress, I guess, is think through and, and listen to their question. Mm -hmm. Listen, don't just presume you know what they're going to ask and you've already got this canned answer there. But, but make sure you listen. And if you don't understand the question, ask them to repeat it. And if you need time, say, can I please take a few moments to think about my answer? Because there's no rush for these interviews. Mm -hmm. This is your opportunity to sell yourself. Yeah. And I've seen too many times people try to rush through it because they think yeah. they know what they're looking for. Yeah, mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Don't tell the employers what you think they want to hear. Mm -hmm. Be present in the interview pay attention to what they're saying. And if you need a moment to pause, it's okay to have a hesitation phrase in there. Like, oh, that's a great question. Or repeating it to yourself a little bit. A time I dealt with a conflict at work. Well, that reminds me of when Joe and I were buttonheads about this one issue. Mm -hmm. The other thing I try to stress to people is think about what kind of behaviors are they trying to pinpoint underneath this. Right. You know, like, like that whole question of tell me about a time you had to deal with a conflict at work. I know a lot of people start talking about procedures or a time they lost a client. It's like, no, that's about interpersonal relationships. So we want to hear but the conflict is not a procedural thing. It's when personalities were not getting along. Right. And it, it, it's amazing how many people will say, oh, that's never happened to me. Yeah. Yes, it has. Yeah. It, it happens to everybody. No matter what it is, it happens to everybody. And, and that goes back to, if you can't think of a situation, say, can we come back to this question? Yeah. And then they'll come back to it. Yeah. That's no problem. That's not, that's not a bad thing to say, I need a few minutes to think about this. Yeah. But there are times when there honestly hasn't been a situation like that. Like, describe your worst boss. Right. And there are people out there, it's not all completely liars. <laughs> Say that I've never had a bad boss. Uh, but that's the only reason you could go into a hypothetical question, uh, answer based on a behavioral interview, in my point of view. And even then, you have to address the fact that you realize you're not answering the question the way they wanted. So it's like, well, I've been very fortunate that I've always had positive role models and my superiors. But if I had to deal with the situation, this is what I would do. Because the other big thing that I see job seekers make is a mistake is they give a hypothetical answer to a real situational question. Yes. Now, how bad is that? It, it is bad because from an employer's standpoint, you're thinking, why aren't they sharing an example with me? Yeah. You know, did, one, did they not listen to the question? Did they not say, I want a one-time situation, the action, and the result? 
or is it that they aren't sharing it because they think it's too bad to share? Mm-hmm. Uh, so from an employer standpoint, that you know, you're looking at that going, why are they not sharing it with me? Are they not getting what I'm trying to ask? Um, from an employer standpoint, too, what I recommend to employers is for each competency or dimension that you have, have at least two to three questions. Mm-hmm. So if they don't have an example of a time that they didn't get along with someone or they didn't, they had a boss they didn't get along with, ask another question within that same competency that says, okay, well, maybe they have this example. Mm-hmm. And so you can still find something for that competency. All right. Great. So now we're to my favorite part of the show. We get to talk about tattoos. Yay! And you have a couple, don't you? I do have a couple, yes. So what have you got? I have a symbol. Um, they're both on my shoulders. And so one is for the Japanese symbol for happiness. And I had somebody I worked with after I got it that said, happiness will follow you wherever you go. Aww. And I thought that was great. That's cool. And then I'm a scuba diver. Uh-huh. And so I have a... a sea turtle with coral and starfish on one shoulder how big is that one? Oh, probably nice piece so it's it like about nice six inches yes nice nice go big or go home that's exactly right all right <laughs> well we're gonna go ahead and wrap things up for today darla peterson diversified personnel uh what's like a website or phone number that people can contact you sure my website is diversified personnel llc.com or you can contact me at 720 720- six six nine three eight four four and i'd love to help you yep and you're here in the denver area i am in the denver area but you're willing to work with people outside of our our metro area if someone needs help across the country most definitely my experience has been in recruiting for north america my entire career awesome well thanks again for coming in and uh, to all of those listening we'll catch you next time